Coming up next on the Cultural Connections Podcast, making a difference globally through architecture. We'll be joined by Rick and Laura Brown, co-founders of Hans House Studio Incorporated. This episode is being recorded live on Monday, October 4th, 2021. This is the Cultural Connections Podcast. My name is Brian Imes, and I am the producer and the host of the Cultural Connections podcast. Before I introduce our guests today, I want to remind our viewers that we are recording this episode live on Monday, October 4th, 2021. Now, normally we are live on three different platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As some of you may be aware, if especially if you're watching this episode live today on Monday, October 4th, Facebook is currently experiencing a massive outage. So as I am hopeful that we are live streaming this on Facebook right now, and I will continue to periodically check, I cannot guarantee that our live stream is uploaded on Facebook right now, but regardless, the recorded version will appear on Facebook. Nonetheless, we're still live on Twitter and YouTube. What does this mean? It means that if you as our viewer watching right now have a question you would like answered and you would like our guests, our guests today to answer that question, you may comment below either right now on Twitter or YouTube with your questions, and we will be sure to answer them live right here on the podcast during the next half hour to 40 minutes that we are live. So without further ado today, we have a very interesting topic for you. We're going to be discussing, as the title alluded, making a difference globally through architecture. And we're joined today by two people who know that area very well, Rick and Laura Brown, a husband and wife duo who are co-founders of Hands House Studio Incorporated. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having us, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. So what I always do when I start my podcast, I always have our guests introduce themselves a little further, obviously, than what I did. And I'll we'll start uh, with the both of you giving a little bit of a background about yourself. We'll start with you, Laura, telling our viewers a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, uh, I am a trained sculptor, and I have been uh, in a, 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 a been on the faculty at Mass College of Art for the last 25 years, and so I teach, uh, have been teaching sculpture in uh, an art school uh, forum. I've been a builder uh, uh, prior to that and, and, and up to this day, and actually I met my partner, Rick Brown, over 50 years ago while at uh, undergraduate school at University of Georgia. And we've been together since then, building and creating our life together. I'll let Rick take from there. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm Rick Brown. Also, I have uh, uh, two uh, fine arts degrees in, in uh, sculpture and also a uh, master's degree in architecture. And um, the, you know, Laura, as Laura said, we, we both met uh, in, in college and uh, both had a, from the beginning, had a real interest in, in making and learning by doing. And, and so uh, our, our partnership began 50 years ago and here we are today, still uh, making and learning by doing. That's excellent. Um, moving on uh, here to our next question then is, which is really what we're talking about is architecture here. We'll start with you, Laura. We'll ask the same question to the both of you here is, what sparked the interest in architecture? How, how, what, what got you interested in it? Well, well, my, uh, the interest in architecture evolves from an interest in building. So, I mean, architecture is a component of building. Basically, uh, the world of, uh, of construction, of 
process of materials, of tools, of, of, of uh, actually making your own world uh, evolved into actually doing years of uh, making our home, literally building and, and uh, living in probably about 20 different uh, homes as a family. We would build them, uh, buy them, fix them up and sell them. And, and then with sculpture, uh, which is not architecture, but there is you know, a crossover between architecture and sculpture. And now we're uh, making historic architectural objects through Hans House Studio. So uh, that's kind of the, my linkage there. Yeah, so um, I think, uh, first of all, and sort of fundamental to uh, the way Laura and I think and sort of navigate our way through life is we, we, we like to learn by doing. Uh, and we, um, we also are interested in uh, learning about a lot of things. And so we have a very broad interest and uh, we, you know, again, we met in art school and we were very attracted to sculpture because, uh, you know, again, sculpture and, and so art in general doesn't have a, it's not, uh, it's, it's not finite, it's, it's, it's infinite. It's, it has all unlimited possibilities of what it can be. And that was very attractive to us from the standpoint that uh, we, 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 went, we were interested in lots of materials, lots of processes, lots of techniques. Um, and, um, and so the, uh, over the years, our interest in, in, in making sculpture and, and also working again in a wide range of, of, of ways of working, uh, we were attracted to architecture because again, ar architecture is it's a, it's a building process. It's, a, it's a, you know, manifested in, in a sort of phys physical form. And, and also it's a very, um, it, it's one of the most richest subjects to study about uh, about the history of, of, of people in the world and um, and people and, and so so it has an anthropological aspect. It's just uh, you know unlimited possibilities for for what you can uh, experience and uh, and learn and, and study. So that's we're very um, and I think that that's fundamental to how we again how we uh, we live, trying to build our own world through understanding the world. And, and I'm gonna add that actually uh, a lot of the uh, Object, a lot of built structures throughout history, architecture, the word architecture was not necessarily even a part of that, their consciousness, and it has come out of that. Whereas the process of, of making your, you know, making a structure would have been uh, embedded in the builder as the designer, the architect, and the maker. So we kind of fall into that broader scope of, of architecture. That's great. That's absolutely great. Um, well, you mentioned it in the middle of your answer there. You mentioned your, uh, which we also alluded to at the beginning here, your uh, organization called Hands House Studio Incorporated. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Hands House Studio uh, and how it came to be and what it is? Well, I'll start and then I'll let Rick wrap it up. Sure. Hands House Studio is a is our uh, is a nonprofit educational organization that that replicate that that creates. Uh, hands-on uh, learning projects uh, that, uh, to invigorate art, history, science, kind of a, a, a multidisciplinary way of looking at the, the world of the built world um, and through and an educational way. We, we uh, strive to uh, integrate uh, different subjects and put together students uh, or learners is what I like to call them and experts 
who have not done what we're actually uh, suggesting to do or creating something that's never this this lost to history, and um, and and replicating it, rebuilding it, diving into what it is, how it was made, who made it, with what tools, and why. You're kind of un, uh, uh, reverse engineering and rebuilding uh, history and rebuilding the knowledge that it came that 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 those objects have embedded in them. And it it's uh, it was a way to take the classroom outside of the classroom to take it outside of a, a singular subject and to um, create dynamic learning environments for all kinds of people to participate in and learn in and broaden the idea of, of what what learning through doing means. So you can take it from there. <laughs> well, one of the things. Um, you know, as Lars said in the beginning, we've been we've been teaching uh, since the 1970s, and um, the uh, but you know we've never really uh, perceived ourselves as teachers, but more as uh, facilitators for learning. We're, we're, we like the idea of creating uh, the, the term dynamic learning environments where uh, you bring people together under the same roof with the same objective of, of replicating an object. And uh, the whole idea is to make this uh, a kind of con special environment for, for learning. And so, uh, you know, again, as, as Laura has mentioned, you know, our projects, uh, they're not, they're not uh, limited. They're, they're very open. And so they're very uh, inclusive. And so we try to bring in um, historians and educators and, and scholars, sometimes the, the leading scholars on a subject, particular subject. We bring in uh, design professionals and artists and and uh, and uh, traditional builders and, and and then students all in the same roof working shoulder to shoulder and it's it's uh what people realize is, is that is the, the power you have when you are you know cooperating collaborating cooperating and um and and sharing the knowledge and everybody has something to offer and and, and it's not uncommon for uh again scholars who would say who are really maybe noted noted as a leading authority on a subject to say how much they learn by working with students because the who are beginners because of their uh, their curiosity and their point of view and the questions they ask and so that's what creates this fantastic learning dynamic and once you've gone through a, a, a hands house project from beginning to end it's uh, you know it's not uncommon to hear people say that that's it was a life changing experience. Wow. And there's Another component that we like to do is take it be out, not only take it outside the classroom, but have the project expand beyond the workshop itself through uh, uh, exhibitions, through uh, lectures, through film, through social media and demonstrations. And so it, it, so it goes you know, way beyond even the original group of people that gathered. Basically, the way we do is we, you have an idea, you start with an object, and the idea is you're going to replicate it exactly as possible, and then you let the learning uh, dynamic take over. So, you know, you students, whoever's participating, uh, creates a, a sort of a, a, their own lines of inquiry. So it takes it off into all different kinds of possible ways of looking and analyzing the history, the subject, and that's what makes it so it's, it's, it's more. It's, uh, wants to expand and and, and grow and and, and so again, the project takes you where it, it needs to go. So it's not uncommon for us to uh, uh, get an idea and the next thing you know, you're traveling around the world to, to 
find an answer to a question that you only can find if you go to that particular place where it was built and try to reach back into the history of where it was at the, at the time it was built. Wow, very fascinating, very, very fascinating. And before we go further, I want to remind all of our viewers, again, that, that you're uh, listening or watching to the Cultural Connections podcast. We are talking with Rick and Laura Brown, who are a husband and wife duo, and also the co-founders of Hands House Studio, as we talk about making a difference globally through architecture. And we want to remind you that we're accepting your questions right now. We know that we are live on Twitter and YouTube, unfortunately, due to a outage with Facebook, we are not able to be live on there, I don't think, but hopefully we're, we are, it is still transcribing over to Facebook, but otherwise it will be uploaded then there later on. Uh, so if you have questions you'd like answered throughout the duration of the podcast, it will be live for probably another 25 minutes or so. Uh, you can comment below with your questions and we'll be sure to answer them. Uh, my next question to you is you've had a lot of notable projects uh, through Hans House Studio that are listed on your website. And one of them that I that really uh, pops out that a lot of people would, I think, would be interested, including myself, to hear more about is the project you did with helping doing some of the rebuilding of the Notre Dame Cathedral in uh, Paris, France, that uh, I think a lot of people know suffered a devastating fire a couple years ago. And you guys are involved with helping with the rebuild. Can you tell us more about that project? Well, I can tell you, uh, this might inform you about how, how projects begin. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, in April, I think it was April 15th, 2017, you know, even when it was uh, being broadcast on television, the fire at Notre Dame and people all around the world were com in complete shock uh, to see this, uh, uh, this uh, you know iconic uh, gothic uh, piece of French uh, gothic architecture on fire. It was just uh, again people were, were stunned. And um, but you know but it, it, even right in the beginning, I had at least uh, one phone call uh, saying oh, this looks like this is going to be a possible uh, next Tans House Studio project. I mean that's they were they meant that in a in a, in a serious way, not in a cynical way. And um, uh, because this is what Hans House does, we 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 uh, we, we see something that's uh, you know maybe lost or nearly lost in history, a historic object, and 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 that's kind of a, a perfect project for us to, to undertake. And so um, so so early on, we we were considering creating a project. It, it, it took us uh, a little bit of time to actually get ourselves gathered to do it because we were already involved in some other projects. Um, but the, uh, the first thing we did was, uh, we thought if we we're going to do this project, you know, it's, it's a French project and we're here in the U S and, and we want to make it into, we want to, uh, do something that's going to be significant. And at the same time, um, not, uh, too aggressive or, but uh, sensitive to what happened. And so we, we thought what we would do is, uh, we would, uh, try to replicate one of the, the, the wooden trusses of the roof, the roof section of the, uh, of the cathedral. And, um, and so uh, what we did is we contacted, uh, we, we thought we should contact somebody in France to give ourselves a, a foothold in, in France and create a partnership. And we found out about an organization called Carpenters Without Borders. And they are an, an organization similar to Hans House and they're in France. And what they do is they, uh, they, they try to preserve the, the uh, the building trade of, of timber framing. They're specifically interested in 
timber framing, but uh, we found out that in fact, they had been involved in a project here in the US uh, building a blacksmith shop with some timber framers from the US. And so I went to the online and, and found their roster. And um, on the roster, there were at least three people that had worked on our project we had done in Poland a few years ago. So I started calling them and they all were very interested in this idea we had. Uh, two of them spoke French. And so we, uh, they had offered to, uh, to and, and they, again, they knew the, the director and founder of Carpets Without Borders. So we created a Zoom call and we told them that our idea was we wanted to replicate one of the wooden trusses. And uh, our first objective was that there was a discussion going on uh, in France about whether to use contemporary designs and materials and processes or, uh, and well, that was what, what, uh, what they actually had sort of projected they were gonna do, but the public quickly uh, responded saying, no, we want, the public wanted to be uh, replaced as it was done originally. And that's what we were trying to advocate. And, and then also we wanted to do the project as a way to demonstrate an act of goodwill and uh, a kind of a, uh, a, a sense of global solidarity among traditional builders. And, uh, and so it's a way to you know, sort of build the, the camaraderie and the, you know, kind of the, the passion for rebuilding Notre Dame in a, in a positive sort of international way. And so um, the uh, director Francois Calam, he liked the idea he thought that they, the French would uh, be uh, uh, also re respond to that in a positive way. And so that was very important for us to have that, that uh, initial uh, acceptance and collaboration. So the next thing I did was I went, I said, we, we, to do this in the U.S., you know, we, we're an organization with some credibility around the world, having reproduced a lot of significant objects. But, but nothing, we hadn't done anything related to, to the Notre Dame Cathedral or this right. uh, specific piece of architecture. So we thought we've got to uh, establish ourselves in some sort of way. And so what we did, I did was I contacted the National Building Museum in Washington to ask them if they, uh, tell them about our project and say, uh, would they be, if we built this, would they be interested in exhibiting it? Uh, in the museum, and they immediately said yes because, of course, they're a national they're a building museum, and because of the uh, significance of this historic object, and also some of the grandeur of the project. Even though it's just a, a single truss, we were replicating because there are many trusses in the roof, entire roof section of Notre Dame. But even though it's a single truss, it's it's quite large. It's like 45 feet wide at the bottom. It's a triangle that goes up about th uh, over three stories. And they have a great hall in the uh, National Building Museum, and they really like to show big objects in their great hall. So they were all uh, behind this project. So then I thought, okay, then um, well, they, they also recommended that I that I contact Catholic University, which is not very far from the museum. They said uh, Catholic University has an architecture program, and it's very likely they would be interested in this project. And so I did exactly what they suggested, and I contacted a, a, a young faculty member, Tanya Onstad. She's a, um, a architecture faculty member, and she was the acting associate dean. And she responded in the same way that 
the French did and the way that the building uh, museum responded, she said, this is a fantastic project. Yes, we want to be involved. And so, so count us in. And, and so then now we had a, a kind of a, a local partner. We also just began discussing all the possibilities of what we could do, uh, you know, with working with uh, Catholic University. And one thing was we were trying to establish where we actually would, would build our, tr our trust. And they, she said that it's very likely that, they're, that they, they would want to build it on their campus. So we met with their dean. And again, he was completely behind the project. And so we, uh, we proposed that we would build it there on their campus. And that way our, the, our crew that would come from all around the country could stay in their dormitories. And also we could eat in their, in their, uh, their food facilities and have a, a wonderful site right there to, to build it and to work with their students who, uh, in fact, we decided to create a summer class. And so everything was working in a very uh, positive and uh, synergetic way, exactly like we like Hans House projects to involve, you know, to evolve. And, um, and so the, um, uh, you know, it, it, we had such positive response in so many respects, but now so, so, so far in, in that, what I was described is, is that we would build it and raise it on the campus of uh, Catholic University, but that's, it's, it's, it's uh, not so ironic, but Catholic University has, uh, adjacent to Catholic University is the um, Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, which is uh, the largest Catholic uh, church in America. And, um, and so that was a, a great uh, adjacency and affiliation and symbolic connection with the cathedral in, in, in Paris. And, um, and so, and then we had the National Building Museum. So then we also approached the uh, National Park Service, actually the um, uh, National, was the preservation, uh, help me, Laura. Uh, the Preservation Trade uh, Center. Yeah. yeah, the Preservation Trade Center is part of the National Park Service. Yeah. What it is, is that they train young um, uh, professionals to, to actually, to restore uh, uh, all kinds of uh, facilities all, all around the American well, his, uh, they, National they, Park Service. They, they are training to do kind of what we we're doing with Notre Dame, restore historic structures in the National Park Service in the accurate way. So they're, they're, they're learning skills that actually they were very interested in the skills that would be learned making the trust. So we partnered up with, with them, which was part of the National Park Service, and they arranged for us to do a raising on the mall. Okay, so what this is, we, we called it, what we did was, so now we had three uh, high-profile venues and a great collaboration in France uh, for this project to kind of take off. And so uh, Tanya offered a summer class. Uh, she attracted students from, uh, from around the D.C. area. And, uh, and, and so they, they, they produced a large body of of research and analysis and models and and then they also participated in the actual building process. We also um, contacted professional timber framers from all over the U.S. as far west as California, and uh, we had about um, we had about twenty-five to thirty professional timber framers. We had a whole class, a traditional carpentry class from North Bennett Street School in uh, Boston, and we had uh, several. Uh, other architecture students involved. So, I mean, in, in all, we had about 60 people 
uh, to make this trust in seven days. So, so what we did is, in, in, so what, to, to date, what we've done is we, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a total 12 day workshop, we, um, with that group, we, uh, we uh, replicated the, the full trust and then we raised it, which is a, a term for actually lifting it up in the, its upright position. And we did that on the campus of uh, Catholic University across the, from the Basilica. And then we, uh, two days later, we took it to the National Mall and raised it on the mall, which is, you know, that's like America's uh, front yard. And we raised it in between the, uh, the National Monument, Washington Monument and the um, Capitol building. And again, a very representing you know, the, the United States of America. And then we took it to the building museum and installed it there with an exhibition that students had put together and the National Building Museum put together at Hans House, which included uh, models and drawings and historic interpretation. And that was on exhibit for about, uh, about six weeks. Yes. And it just came down about a week ago. A lot uh, in, in less than a year. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, we, had, we call it the, the, the triptych exhibition, which is Catholic University, uh, the National Mall, and uh, the National Building Museum. Now, how do you get this over, though, to the, if, you, if it's built here, how do you get it all the way across the ocean and built and sent over to, no, to the Notre Dame? Okay, well, that's, that's, a, that's a fair question, but it's actually uh, not too, not as, it's, it's more simple than it might appear. You don't, you, you, what we do is timber framing is a, a, on, you know, an ancient building method. It goes way back in history in lots of different cultures. Uh, basically, it's large timbers with, uh, with joinery that can be put together and taken back apart. In pieces. Into, back into pieces. So uh, that's what we did. When we did the first raising at Catholic University, then we lowered it back down to the ground, took it apart, and put it all together as linear pieces that fits on one truck and drove it to the National Mall. We'll do the same thing to go to France. We'll take it down. Well, actually, we already have it. It's in storage right now. So we'll take it down, put it on a truck, take it to a, a ship container, and ship it to France. And then over there, it'll be re-trucked to a new location, reassembled, and hopefully... Yeah, the the yeah. hard part is getting permission to do that. Yeah. Right. So, so all of that, the, 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 uh, we're working with uh, our connections in France and uh, to it's still in in uh, uh, they know it's there. They've responded, and uh, we're we're working to uh, get, their get, get get confirmation or permission. And so this is this is a uh, an outreach. Wow, impressive! Just that's only word that comes to mind uh, that you can get that done in that short period of time. Uh, thinking about all of the, you've had a lot of different, not just at the Notre Dame, there's been lots of projects that people can explore on your website, uh, on Hans, the Hans House website, but is there one project that comes to mind recently of your recent projects, because you've done a lot, that uh, you're most proud of and you're most proud of uh, the accomplishments of that? Well, uh, the Notre Dame one is uh, uh, very exciting, and it's actually I feel I feel it's in the beginning of it. I think there's there's more to come for that one. Mm -hmm. It still has more possibilities down the down the way. Uh, the project that I have to say is uh, not only uh, is the most memorable, and it's probably the most significant to this day to this to this moment is uh, the project we did in Poland. Uh, about the wooden synagogues 
and uh, it it uh, it was a very long. Uh, that was about a, a 12, 11 or twelve year project, starting with um, uh, models and it's workshops. It's a it's a it's a project uh, to rebuild, uh, replicate full scale one of the uh, wooden synagogues of Poland, wooden Polish wooden Jewish synagogues of Poland. They were all destroyed during uh, by the end of World War II. 18th and 19th century. In their 18th and 19th century, 17th and 18th. 17th and 18th century log structures with with uh, truth or uh, roof trusts, roof structures, and painted interiors. So uh, they were. Um, the only thing that remained was uh, documentation done by actually architecture students and, and um, professionals, photographers, uh, anthropologists. Uh, towards the end of the, toward the beginning of the 20th century, the end of the 19th century, and the beginning of the 20th century before World War II. So that documentation was kind of strewn or, or, or almost lost during uh, World War II, during the invasion of Poland. It was regathered, really put together by a single couple and, and then um, kind of uh, was not very well known throughout the world. And uh, the project came to us. It was a, it's a project for about uh, a log structure and wooden roof truss uh, structure. So it's kind of a wood, it is a wood structure. And we became involved, it's a long story, but we've uh, worked on it for 11 years doing through classes and workshops and travel programs to Poland. And it uh, uh, culminated in the Museum of the History of Polish Jews contacting us, asking if we would make a full-scale replica of one of the synagogue's roof and painted ceilings for their museum that was being built in Warsaw. Uh, at that time, it was 2010 that they, or nine that they contacted us. In 2011, 12, and 13, we built the structure over uh, three summers. Uh, and then in 2014, and actually over 300 people participated in just that part of it. The last three, wow. summers. The last three summers. There were you know, hundreds of people in classes and workshops that were involved in gathering the research and the pre-work. And so that project had a huge base of participants students, learners, experts, um, uh, scholars. And it, it also then resulted in an exhibition that's still a permanent exhibition in the Museum of the History of Polish Jews in Warsaw for the world to see. And it also has a full film about the process and the project. So that's kind of the, uh, the breadth that we envision these things so they can start you know, singular and just explode over years, over time to be very significant uh, results that, that tell the world about something that was lost. Wow, I mean, that's incredible and it's amazing to see that come to life. Um, my next question to you is, in, is about how we all were impacted one way or another by the, in March, 2020 with the COVID-19 pandemic when it really first came to life and that's when things, the initial shutdown really happened. How did this impact your project and uh, and the and impact in general on you completing projects and in general with the work you do? How did the COVID pandemic impact your work? Well, it's it's had a definite impact on uh, Hans House projects because you know uh, what we try to do is we try to bring people together. <laughs> right. Fundamentally, we're trying right. to bring lots of people together, which is fundamentally what you don't want to do in, in a pandemic. 
Right. And so, uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, we've had, for example, we were developing uh, a fantastic project in Thailand. Uh, we were working with an a couple of organizations there, an architectural organization and historic organization there uh, with uh, the you know, planning to actually uh, build a, a, a traditional Thai bamboo village. And uh, unfortunately, that whole project has been, you know, kind of gone to sleep because we can't, we can't travel there and we can't uh, bring the people together to do that. So um, that's, that's one example. In the, uh, in, in, the, in the US, we've had, um, uh, we've, we've actually been taking projects like we have a class we would call Toys for Elephants, designing uh, objects to enhance the quality of life of animals in captivity. Uh, but the problem was, again, that's bringing students together, working in, in tight quarters and in closed studios and so we, we actually morphed that into, uh, instead of toys for elephants, we turned it into a class called toys for monkeys. And because we can, for monkeys, you know, they're, uh, you Small. can, you, they're smaller. The, the elephants require a much larger object and monkeys are much small, smaller and also not as uh, complex to build. And so, um, uh, that 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 gave us a, a way to continue doing some hands house projects and 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 re you know visualizing them and they've been successful but it's quite different than uh, what we were doing before. And those projects uh, we actually moved uh, uh, moved into working with high schools, two two local high schools, to do toys for monkeys virtually. So it was a virtual um, hands on project, and uh, and so that was uh, with Norwell High School and. Um, and uh, Lake Lakewood High School. Yeah, and, and that 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 uh, evolution actually was very positive, and and those schools are excited about what we did, and they want to continue. So that's an example yeah. of where the, um, you know, the the pandemic caused us to have to uh, re, re, reassess what we we're doing and, and sort of reinvent it and come out uh, with another success story, but uh, it's still quite different than uh, the momentum we had for 10 years of designing and building for, for elephants. So, um, and, and then there's just the whole idea of the complexity of the pandemic and the different attitudes about vaccinations and masks and, uh, and how to uh, create protocol for working together. So that has, has it presents very, it's been a big, a big learning, a learning sure. event for us. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, I bet. But um, I, I do, I do feel that actually uh, the downtime with COVID actually created the enthusiasm and and will to uh, for the uh, the National Building Museum, Catholic, all this these to, right. to come together and make this happen. So it kind of created pent up energy. Absolutely. No, that's 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 absolutely true that's what the, a good pandemic can do for you um i want to before we go further in our last around five minutes or so here on the podcast i want to remind our viewers that are watching or listening that we are recording the that you're listening or watching the cultural connections podcast live on monday october 4th 2021 we're chatting with rick and laura brown who are the co-founders of hands house studio incorporated talking about architecture and making a difference globally using architecture. So if you have questions you'd like answered and you're watching live, you can either comment on Twitter or on YouTube. Unfortunately, right now, Facebook is experiencing an outage. 
therefore our live feed we're not able to get access to facebook and i don't believe that i don't know that we are actually live on facebook even though i'm constantly checking regardless we'll be up it will be up there to watch following the broadcast so my next question to you is about the educational uh collaborations you ha uh, have with the, which is a rather large list that you have on your website uh of different educational collaborations that you've made with different uh universities organizations etc can you tell us a little bit about those collaborations you've made and how you came to, to uh, work with making all these collaborations and i'm sure the list continues to grow the more project the new projects that come forth well, I'll start and then I'll let you wrap it up. We, uh, we're a small organization, but we have a big, big ideas. So uh, you, you have to, uh, we, we're very interested in expanding and bringing as many people into the process as, as we can, as, as can be done. And that allows not only the, uh, um, the numbers of people to, to expand, it allows the capacity to do things bigger than you that are bigger than you can imagine to happen. It kind of allows it to to be uh, to do to do ideas that that take many that takes a lot of organizing and uh, and resources to put together. So uh, what we try to do is also put together organizations that wouldn't necessarily be be working together, and then they they become linked in ways that are they're, they're not necessarily like parallels i mean they, they don't necessarily have the same crossovers but that we become the crossover um and so um there's a lot of time in talking and and the go and and um you know idea development uh it's it's uh it's a very time labor intensive process and it takes uh you know uh sometimes years to develop what your big idea results in. Yeah, so for example, I'm just going to just give you an example how the collaborations occur. Because like, for example, with the, uh, the synagogue project, uh, one, one of the first things we decided to do to, to get to, to become knowledgeable in this history of these uh, over 200 synagogues that had been destroyed during the Nazi invasion of Poland, uh, the first thing we did was we um, decided that we would create a class at Mass College of Art where we teach. And we created a class to make a model of one particular synagogue. And so when, you, when we did that, uh, that class was attracting students from architecture program, design program, the uh, sculpture department. You can bring together these different uh, disciplines within the college so it becomes interdisciplinary and you start to get those kind of connections. And then as soon as that model was made, what we did was we thought, okay, now we have this very large, impressive model. Let's put it on the road to sort of popularize our project. So we found another institution, another uh, college. In this case, it was Oberlin College in Ohio. And right after that, it was uh, University of Minnesota. And the idea was we would uh, exhibit that model in those institutions and get it out, you know, out, out, out into the public's eye. And, and so what we, we so then what we so in other words that so then you're bringing the, those two institutions and then also because you know you know Laura and I are not uh, we're not Jewish scholars and we're not uh, we're not uh, we're not we're not historians what we what we do is we bring in 
uh, scholarship that is uh, that can give real credibility to the project and uh, an authentic uh, uh, scholarship to the to the to the big idea. So uh, we went to uh, in both of those universities and colleges. We went to and said, "Can you uh, provide somebody from your institution who, who is a Jewish scholar or somebody who might know about the history of?" Uh, Eastern, uh, Eastern European Jewry or, or the history of Poland uh, or, or the architecture of the region. And so then you start to bring in scholars and, and, uh, and again, people with credibility in that way. And you just keep building it, it kind of snowballs. Each time you have an exhibition and you have a workshop, a demonstration, travel program, each of those keeps bringing in more and more uh, entities to, uh, to empower the, the project. And it's, and it's not it's not hard to do. It's uh, it's it's actually quite easy to get people interested. The problem generally is 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 uh, is financing them and finding some way to finance it. But but um, but anyway. So it's uh, the collaborations is something that's uh, a very important part of what we do, and it's also something that's kind of unique about Hans House because, for example, Hans House has the ability to, you know, it, we we an idea might come to us, and um, and really require that it, that you you do it right away because it's relevant uh, to do it right away. Just like with the, the Notre Dame Cathedral, if we did this project five years from now, it wouldn't have the same meaning as does doing it right now. And so, so the, uh, you know, colleges and universities can't, can't really necessarily work that quickly, you know, to, right. to create new curriculum and, and create a project that's going to be exhibited and bring in lots of people and lots of scholars. And, but, but, but Hans House can do that. So we can turn on a dime. We can do. We can. We're very nimble. We can move very quickly, and uh, and so we happen to be a, a good partner for institutions that have you know set curriculums, and we we can create a, a course overnight, and uh, and that's one of the things that has made us very effective, because we can uh, put together class, put together exhibitions, uh, you know, put together projects, bring in lots of entities. And uh, and do it you know do it very quickly. And we also have an inventory or a a group of alumni, uh, Hans House alumni that come come forward and give a lot of their time. There's a lot of volunteerism, and Hans House is very generous with how people can share in the project. We don't own it; we share it. And so I think that's that's something that's very important. And and to give uh, uh, credit to all the variable organizations and, and what they've contributed and how they've contributed and, and not just uh, have it, you know, kind of isolated. So it's opening up. It's like, you know, saying everybody is, is important. Everybody contributes, everybody learns. And, and so it, it brings it uh, beyond just the walls of Hans House. No, definitely incredible, it's incredible everything that you're doing. Uh, my next question to you within the last few minutes that we have uh, is going to be talking about a little bit about some of the upcoming projects that you have. Again, as we've alluded to, you have a lot of projects. Can you tell us just a little snippet of some of the upcoming projects that you have upcoming? So, well, so, so first We're of all- We're tired. Yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. No, that's, that's probably the right, that's probably the right answer, but the- um, Wrapping up is what we're- You know, we have, we have lots of ideas for projects. Um, uh, we, we don't like to just, uh, uh, we, we like to you know, bring them up when it's the right moment. But, but I'll tell you, I will tell you that right now we're, we're deep into the Notre Dame project and it has a, 
a light, another, another kind of round of iterations that we're nurturing right now around the country, different institutions we want to bring in. And, and so it's an ongoing project and it, it's going to have a life for, for at least a, you know, a year or so out. And so that's where, that's one we're, we're definitely focused on at this, at this point. But also another one I'll mention is, is that uh, a couple of years ago, we started a project for the, the Trojan horse. Uh, we were we were uh, we, we were researching. <laughs> it, we, kind of is it came. It was sometimes our ideas come from ourselves. Sometimes they come from outside sources. And this is one that was uh, presented to us um, to uh, for for another museum. And I won't mention them because we're. It, I just don't want to put them on the spot. But, <laughs> but they uh, they wanted they wanted a, a um, they wanted a, a replica of the uh, Trojan horse, which is a really fantastic project because of, because of its history. And and, and 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 the fundamental question is, in fact, did it actually ever exist? So uh, that adds another kind of a learning dynamic that's pretty pretty uh, you know pretty valuable, I think, for a you know for a student experience to find things, you know, do research and 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 to find ways to give you know uh, an ev you know credible evidence that in fact that it, it did happen, and so. Um, I mean, it's it's such a potent subject because it has so much. Uh, it's like you can you think of there's so many ways the word Trojan horse is used in in literature and you know politics and all kinds of things. But what was it? What happened? What is the actual history? So and and uh, so it's it's something that we have uh, have stirred up and have some capacity to take it forward if there's interest. And uh, so that 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 would be a wonderful one. To, carry out there's some other ones that we kind of have in in the in the early stages i'd say the the china uh uh what's that <laughs> anyway no <laughs> kinda I yeah the china she's what she's talking about is the uh we, we've we've talked explored the idea of doing a um a, re a replica of a, of a it was called a it's a Chinese bridge called the Rainbow Bridge. And so we've done some early uh, we actually offered a class at Mass College of Art and got that project started uh, right during the pandemic and right before right yeah. before. And so that has been also put to sleep. And so um, involves, uh, so we uh, that, that's right now right there. That's that's uh, three possible projects. But one that is actually is actually needs to is ready primed to go for it is not a, a physical making project, but making a website. We call it the digital uh, Gaborgit's digital website for all the archival information and work that we did on the 12 years of the Gaborgit synagogue project. This, we have a huge amount of uh, visual information that actually we would like to make uh, available to the public This that we need to right. create a website for. So that's kind of a, something that um, needs funding, but is, is, is in the in this beginning stages. Absolutely. That, that's, it's all very impressive. And I can't believe I have to say this, but we're already out of time for today. Just like that. It's amazing. I say every time I do this, I feel like the time goes faster and faster each time I do another episode of this of the Cultural Connections podcast. So again, I want to thank Rick and Laura Brown, husband and wife duo, uh, the co-founders of Hands House Studio for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more about their projects, you can check out their website at www.handshouse.com. 
H-A-N-D-S-H-O-U-S-E.org. Um, or you um, can get in contact with me and I can send you the link. You can reach me directly at, at by emailing me at brianives at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-I-V as in Victor, E-S at gmail.com. And if you have questions that you would have liked to answer that you didn't get to a chance to ask today during the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me again with that email directly, and I will get your answers to your questions for you. Again, that email address is Brian Ives, B-R-I-A-N-I-V as in Victor, E-S at gmail.com. If you have suggestions for future episodes of the podcast that you'd like to submit to us, Please, again, feel free to reach out to me at that same email address, brianimes at gmail.com. Thank you again to Rick and Laura Brown for joining me today, and we will see you again next time on the Cultural Connections Podcast. Thank you again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch this episode again in its entirety on our YouTube channel. This podcast is also available on listening platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, and New TV. Thanks again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast.